Aaron. And this is Paul. This is Wayne. And I'm sorry Tim couldn't be here today. He was up late at the Bohemian Rhapsody sing-along. You know, there's probably some truth to that. that you know, I, I know we're saying this in jest. He probably was. <laughs> yeah. I, I just see him hitting the high notes on uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm just saying. Ah, I mean, it seems like after nine years, that would be something that that Tim would do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, who knows him better than us? Exactly. I and really if, want to see that movie. I just don't want to see it like surrounded by people karaokeing to it. I, I you know, I actually got to tell you, I, I'm 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 down for the sing along. I saw some video this morning of uh, you know folks wearing their Freddie Mercury mustaches, and I'm like, yeah, I'm down. I'm down. I can totally do this. <laughs> Are you going to wear your Freddie Mercury mustache? Uh, d- damn, absolutely, Paul. I mean, it makes you sound absolutely. Better. That's right. That's right. Or even if you sound bad, it brings the ladies to you. Yeah, but you know, since we're on the subject of pop culture, Paul. Oh. And uh, you know, this is typically our weekly moment where Paul explains things to us. Oh. Can you help me understand what the hell an R. Kelly is? Oh. <laughs> Are are you unaware of the R. Kelly? I understand. I understand the the uh, uh, you know that he is he is allegedly a bad man doing bad things to young ladies. I get yes. that part of it. Mm-hmm. What I don't understand is who he is. <laughs> He's an R and B singer. He sang that song "Gotham City" from Batman and Robin. Huh? Yeah. Very very popular in the uh, early two thousands, late nineties. Okay, I have not, you know, the, everyone is like, oh, R. Kelly did this, R. Kelly did that. And I'm like, I, people are using this name like it should mean something to me. And so that is generally, you know, a clue that we have edged into some sort of pop culture zone of which I'm unfamiliar. Well, and it's funny because, you know, it, usually it's because the young people get it. But R. Kelly is uh-huh. a young people thing. R. Kelly's like an older generation kind of thing. And, and I'm, I, I can't say that I, I recall this Gotham City song you, to which you refer. Is there some other song that I would I would recognize of his? <sighs> I don't know. There was something like Trapped in a Closet. He, he was pretty popular back back, back then. Um, <laughs> Trapped in a Closet. <laughs> nail through my foot. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sure I can think of others. Or perhaps our listeners hand- can. Did he do that song "Hand in a Blender"? <laughs> he, he did not. <laughs> so I, I don't like R and B. I don't like rap. But the "Trapped in the Closet" stuff was pretty good. You remember? He I did... believe I can fly. How about that one? Yeah, I do know. I believe I can fly. There you go. Okay, thank you, <laughs> thank you. And I do like R and B, and I do like rap. I just—he's not an artist who has who has shown up on my playlist. So, well, you can okay. add that, and you can add "Feeling on Your Booty." To your uh, to your playlist well, as well. According to Lady Gaga, I should not be adding him to my playlist. Well, this is true. <laughs> that I should not be feeding the beast. So, uh, allegedly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, since thank we're not you. talking I, I about comic books. I appreciate this segment of Paul Explains Pop Culture. That's okay. Well, I'm going to explain some more pop culture. Woohoo! So, since we are talking about things non-comic related, I wanted to talk about the most important news of the week. Most mm. important is it was announced that Eddie Murphy will be returning for Coming to America 2. Coming to America 2. Well, because you demanded it. I, yeah. I mean, I have been. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited about this news. I threw it on the agenda. This is probably the extent of the conversation about it, but I'm excited. Should, 
Shouldn't they call it something like coming back to America or? Well, I'm sure they will. Or maybe they'll put T-O-O at the end. Oh, someone else coming to That would make sense. I right? wonder if he'll have a super. We don't need this movie. <laughs> what? Huh? Huh? Well, yeah, I mean, Prince I, I wonder I wonder if he'll have a superpower. I wonder if, uh, you know, he'll uh, marvel it up a little bit. Well, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh-huh. It did is you, funny. It is. It, because did you guys hear about the whole thing with the Oscars? Well, that there's not going to be a host? Well, kind of, right? Oh, so No, I hadn't heard any of this. So they hired Kevin Hart to host the Oscars, and then, like, some, like, Often happens nowadays. Someone digs up some tweets from 15 years ago. People get up in arms about some homophobic jokes he made, and um, and he 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 backed out of doing the Oscars. He's like, it's not worth this. You know, I've already apologized. Blah 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 blah. And so the Oscars announced that they would go hostless. However, um, the the current word on the street. I shouldn't say the current. It's not like rumor. Like as, as far as I know, they're actually officially doing this. Is they are trying to gather the Avengers? Oh yes, I did hear that. That they're that they're going to get all the Avengers together to host a segment of uh, this year's Oscars. Yeah, so they're basically yeah. going to trade off hosting duties in 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 a very interesting bit of cross promotion because you know you Disney owns ABC, who's showing the Oscars, and you know you've you've got this Avengers: Infinity War coming out in April, so it's 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 timely promotion. For a film that won't get nominated for any Oscars. Right. Um, well, you know what we call that, Paul? What? Synergy. That's <laughs> what we call that in the business. Synergy. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, no, it's awfully incestuous over there at, at ABC, Disney, slash Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because now we're going to hop back to the DC side of the house. To, to the distinguished competition just because that's the way I ordered the outline and I'm not changing it. Uh-huh. So I, I have start. I, I think we talked last week that I had just seen the first episode of Titans. I think yeah, and during the funnies, I had mentioned that I had just started watching Titans, so it didn't rank in my 2018 TV show best TV show whatever thing. Um, I, I'm now four episodes in, and I gotta say, I genuinely like it. Um, it's not perfect. I, I'm still not sold on the depiction of Starfire. Um, but it is, and, and and if you're going in expecting like a Teen Titans fun action adventure show, that is not at all what it is. It's nothing like anything on the CW. If I, it is almost like it's like a horror show in that it's all about um, Raven uh, and her destiny, and so it's got this like de- demonic exorcism element to it, and you know them trying to protect her from people who want to kill her and also people who want to use her to uh, bring about Trigon um, into our world. And I just, I, I'm actually quite enjoying it. At least four episodes in. There's 11 in this first season. Um, but I, I'm liking it more than I thought I would. And now it's available internationally on Netflix. So even if you don't have D, I mean, in the United States, you're stuck with DC Universe. But outside of the United States, there's Netflix. I'm, I'll see it one of these days. Yeah. Well, I do hear that DC Universe is doing extremely poorly. So at some point, <laughs> uh, maybe they'll put it on Amazon or something. Yeah, I, I'm sure at some point we'll see it on Amazon or uh, Netflix. They'll make a deal. I wonder. I wonder if the extremely poorly is partially because of the limited release. Like, I don't sure. know what. I don't know what the you know metrics are for how people watch these apps, but you know. Like the Samsung TVs, the Playstations, the Xboxes, 
what percentage of you know users watch on those things yeah. that this just doesn't have access to. Yeah, well, there's that. You know, there's the lack of access, which is a huge deterrent, probably the number one. And the number two yeah. is everything that's available on the app. If you're a true DC fan, you, you already don't. have. Yeah. Um, and the things that you don't, they, that they dropped, at least in the beginning, they didn't drop anything new. And then Titans came on, which is basically an R-rated superhero show, which has a limited appeal anyway. You know, right. it's not you. You can't just show it to your family. Um, and uh, you know, and Young Justice just started, but again, even more of a niche audience because it's a a continuation of a, a beloved show that from you know what is it at this at this point at least five years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it, you're right. It's absolutely niche, and you know the the limited uh, platform access has has got to be a huge issue. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, so I'm. I would. I will continue to report in on Titans. I'm trying to power through uh, before uh, a TV show starts that we'll talk about later on. Spoiler. Well, I I have to imagine that at some point we reach some sort of you know uh, streaming service saturation where you know some of these streaming services will just go by the wayside because you know folks aren't going to have that many subscriptions for crying out loud. Yeah, DC Universe will get wrapped into something else probably. I, I think it'll get wrapped into a Warner. That that seems to make the most sense to me is that DC just becomes sucked up into a Warner, an overall Warner package for Warner Television and Warner Film, and that just becomes a property of it. At which point, I think it becomes much more valid. Yeah. You know, kind of like the 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 Disney, you know, wrapping up, you know, Disney, Lucasfilm, mm-hmm. and Marvel. I mean, that is go that is going to wildly succeed. Oh yeah, right. Well, and- there's it's just so content rich. Yeah. And, you know, DC Universe, the shows that they are working on are uh, they continue to be niche shows. You've got Doom Patrol. You've got Swamp Thing. You've got Stargirl. Well, you know, had you... I want to see Stargirl so much. Exactly. You know, Wayne's that that weird niche. Um, but <laughs> I think if they had launched with perhaps a Superman show featuring the dude from the DC, um, the CW or mm-hmm. even Krypton. Have they launched with Krypton? Like, I think they need a little bit they, to draw people in. Like, like Marvel is drawing people in with the movie actors and um, Star Wars. Like, you know, the Marvel movie actors and Star Wars. Like, they, they've got that big name recognition. Titans isn't going to bring anyone in, clearly. Um, I feel like it just, uh, you know, they, they, they probably could have done better there. Yeah. Well, I mean... Disney continues to demonstrate its absence of understanding of uh, of, of media. You know, they, they, they seem to really understand comic books, but they don't understand film. They don't understand, uh, you know, the streaming services. They do understand television, but I, I attribute that mostly to the CW network, not to uh, anybody that's smart over there at DC. Well, and I don't know, but people love Gotham, so. That's what I'm saying. Well, okay, Fox. But, I mean, I, again, that's. It's a television I just, space, yeah. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I, I think that the the uh, I forget the guy's name all of a sudden that produces all of those CW shows. Berlanti, Greg Berlanti. Yeah, yeah, Greg Berlanti. I mean, he gets it right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I just don't think that you know Jeff Johns and and the other guys over there at Marvel who are kind of guiding that ship get it because if they did, they'd make some better movies. You know what's fascinating to me, and, and we're we're going completely off topic here. We're rogue, um, Paul. Yeah. I mean, here we are, the first regular episode of the year, and we have gone rogue. <laughs> well, because I think we, 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 we have we have pent up conversation here. Um, 
I am fascinated that Aquaman's going to make a billion dollars. Actually, by the time you're listening to this podcast, Aquaman's worldwide box office will be over $1 billion, making James Wan one of few directors who has not only one film that's made over a billion dollars, but two films that have made over a billion dollars. I like how you said that in your uh, in, in the count voice. Two, <laughs> two, I two. say. <laughs> uh, 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 I really <laughs> wonder how much of that is the just the appeal and pull of Jason Momoa. Which like, you know, it's funny to me if because, they had man. anybody if they had anybody other than him. I don't think this movie would be no. doing the pull it is. Absolutely. Complete, completely agree. Completely agree. I, I think I think, it's, I think the movie is uh, is composed mainly of weak sauce. But Jason Momoa has got a tremendous amount of charm. And I think people want a good DC movie. And so they're willing to forgive a lot. And the the playing field was primed in that there was no other superhero movie out other than an animated film uh, at the same time. You know, you're you're. The other big movies were Mary Poppins Returns, and what else was there? I mean, it just but you know, but both of those suffered because of Aquaman, and it's just funny to me. Like both of those films individually would have probably made a billion dollars, maybe not Bumblebee, because that I think the Transformers ship has sailed a little bit. But um, had they just released them, released them a little bit apart, but releasing them all on the same day, no one, no one budged, and for once, DC actually came out ahead. Yeah. Well, yay for Jason Momoa. Yeah, you know, I mean, good I, for I, that guy. He seems to deserve it. You know, he's he's he he's got a loyal following. Um, you know, he's got well, he Thrones, he's got Stargate. Right. Yeah, you know, you see you see him out in the world, much like you know, uh, I keep making the uh, comparison to Dwayne Johnson, but you know, you see him out in the world, much like that guy. He respects his fans. And, I see him. I know, see an Aquaman versus Black Adam film. If we ever get that Black Adam film. <laughs> Fuck, I'd watch the hell out of that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah, yay for Jason Momoa. I just wish it was a better film. Yeah, I agree. Well, yeah. we'll see a second one. Maybe the second one will be better. Yeah. Um, so this week's comic, big comic release, was the Brian Michael Bendis, Pat Gleason, Young Justice number one, the start of Wonder Comics. Um, Bendis's new uh, line of comics from DC that features books like this. And I think there's a Wonder Twins book coming out. Um, there's a couple of other books. I don't remember all of them off the top of my head. Uh, but this yeah, is the launch like title. Four, say, there's like four different ones, I think. Yeah. And so, but I was, this is the one I was most excited about because of, you know, the return of the 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 big characters like um, Superboy, um, Impulse. Uh, you've got... Wonder Girl. Wonder Girl. You've got Robin, Tim Drake Robin, who we haven't seen since um, his Detective Comics, um, the end of that run. So I was I was super excited about this. Um, but I am curious to hear, out of all people, what Wayne thought of this book. So reading through it, I, I kept asking questions. Like, is this in continuity? Does the new 52 stuff take count? Um I was very happy with the portrayal of Tim Drake in here. He is awesome. He is impressive. It's everything I want out of Tim. I look at uh, Impulse and I have the exact opposite reaction of why is he Impulse again? This seems like a, a huge step back for the character on the way he's behaving. It's nothing like him. I look at uh, Wonder Girl and I'm interested in the portrayal of her. Overall, story-wise, we don't really have the story yet, 
so it's hard to say. Art, I'm kind of on the fence on. There are some panels I really enjoyed, and in other panels I was kind of shaking my head at. But I'm interested enough to give it a second issue. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned the art, because Pat Gleason, I love Pat Gleason. I loved his art on Superman. I think Pat Gleason has gone too far down the realm of this, like, different art styles thing. His art style keeps evolving, and, like, it feels like the artist changes from one page to another, depending on what superhero's on the page, which I found disruptive. That's exactly it. I was about to say, there are certain characters that he just nails. I love his Cassandra, or Cassie. I mean, Mm -hmm. the Wonder Girl, like, when she's flying down in the skirt and she's got her jacket is ripped and you can see the the bands under it, that is incredible. But when you, every page with Impulse, I hate. And it does seem like it's different for the different characters. And like you, I struggle to understand this place in continuity. Like, I knew Impulse came back in the pages of, I think it was Flash War or something like that, at the end of one of those big Flash um, events. And I don't know what's, what's happened since, but, like, the way these characters came back together, it just, maybe I, I'm just missing other things, but it was just like, it felt like I was reading something from pre-New 52, because everyone just kind of, like, rolled in, and it's like, well, some of these characters were wiped from continuity, but they're acting like nothing ever happened. So um, what am I missing here? Um, I, I, yeah, and Impulse but, uses the name Young Justice as well. Yeah, which I guess at some, I guess it did exist. So I don't, it's it's, but they do mention the seven crises at the beginning of it, and how um, you know. So they 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 they've established that yes, we've had continuity reboots, but they're all in continuity that we've had these world altering events, which which is kind of a big deal, right? So yeah. you know, we've had crises, but those other things still happened. Um, So Paul, what do you think of the new characters? There's two new characters in this book, although one of them, I don't feel like we ever see or know anything about. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, uh, Amethyst? Uh, the kid green lantern or kid lantern. Teen lantern. Yeah. Um, I'm not familiar with, I I, I don't, I, I, we'll see my, the verdicts out on teen lantern, but I like Jenny Hex. I like her a lot. I think there's some, she needs some more character development. There's a lot of work to be done for her to make her a well-rounded character, but I like her. Yeah. I mean, right now she's basically Jessie from Toy Story, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron, what'd you think of this book? Um, I think this is the worst kind of first issue, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that all it does is give you a sample of of what's coming. <clears throat> um, it's kind of like going to the grocery store and they say, here, would you like to try a piece of this, you know, pepperoni pizza that we're selling frozen? Uh, you know, try that. Do you want to buy some more? Uh, whereas, you know, the, the, of course, the key difference between that and uh, uh, between this and the grocery store is that you spent your money on this and they give you almost no meat to chew on. Right. There's nothing really other than the whole kind of setup about the seven crises. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really nothing to chew on in this book. So you don't really know if you like it or, or not. You know, it's funny. You make um, a good point here and I don't mean to interrupt you, but this, this feels like something that would have been in like one of those 80 page introduction to wonder comics. Uh-huh. Like here's wonder yep. comics number zero. This feels perfectly yeah. suited for that. Yeah. Um, I particularly was incensed that, you know, the, the, the big, the big gun in this, you know, the, the, the big, Hey, you know, not only is young justice coming back, but we're bringing back Connor Kent. He's on the cover. There's a whole variant cover dedicated to him. He shows up on the last page of the book. 
And I just I feel like that is, you know, drawing out the first issue sales, you know, so yeah, we'll get them for a number two because they want to see what Connor's up to. And why does he have a beard? You know, why I want to know is why do people remember him? Well, I mean, and again, apparently, you know, there, there is some kind of continuity thing going on or we're in, on, on an alternate Earth or something like that, because, you know, as you guys were talking about, some of these characters were wiped out of existence or never existed. Um, so I, there's clearly something going on where that's supposed to be one of the hooks. Right. Um, I just find it super annoying. I, I think it's a weak way to write your first issue. I think the way you write your first issue is you clearly set where your characters live and who your characters are. Now, you can have mysteries about your characters, but you should really have an anchor. We should This should have been a point of view issue, maybe from Tim's point of view, uh, where we then get to meet the other characters and get the other characters reintroduced to us. But it's all over the place. It is it is a scattergun kind of thing, and it's, it's a whole – Hey, it's a whole book full of different one shots. Um, and to your point, it, it, that is emphasized by the way that the art style keeps changing throughout the book. I, I just I, I hated this book. Yeah, that said, thought, I'll pick up issue two because I'm curious enough to know what's going on with Connor. I thought it was going to be Jenny's point of view, but it, it should have been. I mean, why not? You know, I, I think that's kind of your low hanging fruit, right? Introduce me to this new character, Jenny Hex, who I thought was, was a great idea, you know, uh, introduce me to that character and let me see the world through her eyes. I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to rewrite Bendis's book, but I just felt like this was a weak way to introduce me to this world and these characters. Yeah. And when it comes to, we finally see Connor, I hate the art for Connor. He's one of the characters I don't think is drawn well. And, uh, the co- I like uh, Impulse's comment is, uh, how did you grow a beard? Right. Because, you know, he's supposed to be perpetually a teenager. Yeah. And the he's back in his old costume, which we don't know what has or hasn't happened or any of that. So, I mean, maybe right. that the costume that makes sense. I mean, but. Well, yeah. I mean, he may have never been killed by uh, Prime, right? I mean, I mean, we don't know where that where that jumping off point was. And we assume that perhaps it's earlier than what we saw, you know, from the from the regular comics, because Bart's so much younger. But of course, sure. Bart's been back and forth through time. Yeah. All You know, so who knows? That's one of the interesting things here is if this Wonder Comics is aimed at is it seems like it's supposed to be aimed at younger readers. Mm-hmm. All of the characters on the team are incredibly complicated to understand because of weird quirks in history i mean like impulse is one who's been he's existed he has not existed he's been from the future (laughs) he's connor is a clone of superman that didn't exist and now exists again i mean these aren't simple characters right they're not easy to understand for a reader that doesn't have the history and the book keeps calling back to histories that we don't know whether these histories exist or not you're absolutely right yeah not a good flagship for a line for younger readers. Yeah. Yeah, I was not impressed. I will give it a second issue as well. Yeah, and, it, but it, it is 100% based on the characters. This, you know, that I don't want to belabor. We've already, I think, beaten this book to death. But I, But we've been around long enough that if you look back enough in our feed and look at our comments regarding Brian Michael Bendis's writing on New Avengers when that book first launched... I, I said that Brian Michael Bendis's weakness is in writing action sequences. 
And that still holds true like eight years later. Um, because and this because this book was one long action sequence that didn't flow um, and just didn't work. But uh, the characters are what drew me into the book and the characters are what will get me into buying a second issue. So I looked through all of the alternate covers that they had at the beginning of the digital version here. Mm -hmm. And I hated most of them. But I want to call out that impulse cover is beautiful. Yeah. Hey, kudos to DC for including the digital the uh, variant covers. We 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 complain yeah. about that when when people don't do it. So I appreciate. I, I want to recognize when someone actually does do it. Absolutely. So while Young Justice number one, I think we we all agree was uh, pretty much a failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to tell you, I really enjoyed Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man number one. Uh, written by Tom Taylor with uh, art, and I'm not sure I've got this the name right. The, uh, it's either Juan Cabal or <laughs> Juan Cabal. It's it's an unusual spelling, J U A N N. But uh, I I thought it was a great. The, it's it's essentially two stories in one book, and I yep. thought the first story was fantastic. wasn't so so wild at the second story, and we'll come to that in just a second. Uh, but you know. You, I was the opposite. I thought the first story was okay. I was blown away by the second. I, I really enjoyed the first story, which is just, you know, kind of reintroduces you to Spider-Man. Um, you know, and, and it's it's it kind of sets up the premise of the book. It's Spider-Man working within his neighborhood. And uh, I, I dug that, and I, I, I like the, the, the little mystery it sets up. You know, he... Uh, uh, encounters a neighbor who needs help and, you know, uh, winds up getting, uh, you know, knocked out in the process and, and the neighbor who he thought needed help has disappeared. And so we've got a, a mystery there, but I thought it set up really nicely. There is so much heart in that first story too. the, I got one of the moments that sold me. It's a tiny little moment, a two panel moment. Uh, Spider-Man had saved this guy and his daughter and he's mm-hmm. holding the daughter and she looks at him. And then she smacks the spider on his chest and says, squish. Yeah. That was such a cute and heartfelt moment. And the uh, when they're walking away, her saying, I'm going to squish you. Yeah. No, I, I thought that was great. I, I And, you know, Tom Taylor is the writer, and he's the guy who writes so much of those Injustice books that we like so much. Uh, he He's one of my favorite comic book writers. I dug his take on this. What um, is your thoughts on the art? Uh, you know, it's not my favorite, but it doesn't it doesn't work against me. Um, so what I found interesting about the art, it is it feels like the artist is trying to call back to an earlier, simpler time of Spider-Man. I agree. It, it's like looking at it, it's trying to emulate some of the older styles. It is a very crisp, clean art that I tend to like. Uh, when you look at Peter, it is a very simplistic drawing of Peter, but the faces are all different. It's one thing I look at with uh, when I look at you know art is do all the women look the same? Do all the men look the same? And that is definitely not the case. It is very simple facial art, but th- they all do look different. One of the and, things I, I note about the, the artwork, particularly in the, in the coloring, is that it seems to be very day bright. Uh, and not just because it's happening during the day, but I mean, they're, they're not heavily shadowing the alleys and the, 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 the corners of the room and whatnot. It has that sort of brightness that I characterize a, uh, a lot of the Marvel movies with, like particularly the Avengers are always just so bright during the day. Um, it, 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 it seems to demonstrate that, uh, 
there is a, a lightness and a brightness that they're going to include in these stories, even though they're going to be fighting bad guys and whatnot, that it's not all, you know, uh, dour, scary sorts of, of uh, you know, boogeymen in the corners kinds of things, uh, which was, you know, kind of nice to see. Um, it, it was a tone that I think was was set visually in the book. Now, the second story, uh, and I know, Wayne, you, you liked it better than I yep. did. Uh, my objection to the second story is that it tells the story of Aunt May secretly going to a clinic, you know, intentionally keeping it from Peter to reveal at the end of the story that she has cancer. And my objection to that is I'm so sick. And I know it's been a while, <laughs> but I'm so sick of sick Aunt May stories. I mean, I, we have got, you know, decades and decades of sick Aunt May stories. And, uh, you know, unless they're going to legit kill the old lady, I'm not interested in a sick old in a a sick Aunt May story. So I get that. But this one felt different to me than those. So I liked as she was writing the letter, but going through the day, you see the strength in her Mm -hmm. and you see her standing up to uh, Kingpin Mm -hmm. right outside the medical center. Uh, I think she's going in at this. It's hard to tell at this point if she knows for sure if it's cancer or not. Right. She may still be trying to find, you know, they're doing the test to find out. But yeah, I I think we're going to see the strength of her in this story. And that's something sick Aunt May stories are all about how weak and frail she is. Right. And why I like this versus all of those is that this is where I think we're going to see the the strength and the fighting of Aunt May versus the she's an invalid and can't do anything. And that's why I like it better than those. Well, there is one moment in in the second story that I really enjoyed, and it is when Spider-Man's following Aunt May because he knows something's up. And while he's following Aunt May, he sees this kid getting picked on by a couple of bullies. And so he jumps down there, you know, stops following Aunt May so he doesn't know what the ultimate outcome is there. But he um, jumps down and helps this kid out. And he says, listen up, all of you. Luis here is a personal friend of mine. You got a problem with him? You got a problem with me understand and the bullies just are all you know taken aback and they're hey yes spider-man and spider-man realizes like oh man i, I didn't mean to scare you i he says uh, sorry I, I really don't want this to be the start of your supervillain origin story this was just bad timing i was stalking someone i care about and you know what ignore that it sounds bad <laughs> just cracked me up yeah the only thing it would have been interesting if the uh, kid would have done the follow-up line of are there is there a better superhero out there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was a good book. I thought it was a good book. I'll I'll definitely pick up the second one. I I would like. I, I had the same criteria for Spider Man that I have for the X Men. I need to have a Spider Man book that's not wrapped up in a bunch of crossovers and continuity bullshit. Um, and so I'll I, I'll continue to read Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man if the quality continues. And it doesn't get linked into some sort of ridiculous spider crossover thing. Yeah, I like the standalone. And if you're going to do multiple books for a character, which I kind of miss some of that uh-huh. when we had like four different Spider-Man books and four different Superman books, mm-hmm. but that each one focused on something different. Yeah. That's one of the keys for me is they have to focus on something different. And well, this one is focusing on Spider-Man in the neighborhood and the people interaction. And that's what makes it different. And that's what I like. You know, I was thinking about something the other day uh, from back in the old death of Superman days. And I was thinking about, you know, it's it's wild that Superman was only out of uh, off the off the main stage for about a year from the time that he died to the time that he came back. It was only about a year. 
but it feels so much longer. And the reason why I think it feels so much longer than that is because you had all these different stories going on in and around him. You know, you had you had a, a whole book de- dedicated to Superboy, a whole book dedicated to Steel, a whole book dedicated to Eradicator, and a whole book dedicated to Cyborg Superman. Plus, you had Supergirl. Plus, you had Justice League, and a bunch of different one-offs during all that time. And so, when you look back at all the content that's there, it seems like you've got this just massive history of a world without Superman. Right? Uh, I kind of miss that. I, I kind of miss that, you know, that that sort of you know sweeping content and plan. I mean, I don't think anybody's done it as well as the Superman creators back in the '90s did with the death of Superman. Yeah, and what's particularly interesting is when you look at that story, it comes off as this great architected plan that was really thrown together. You know, and it's funny you guys I, mentioned that. Um, by the time listeners uh, hear this. The January 13th and January 14th in select theaters, you can watch the double feature of that uh, animated Death of Superman, um, Reign of the Superman uh, movie, or those two movies. They're uh, they're going to be shown in cinemas on the 13th and 14th of January. I'm really looking forward to that, to the part two now. Same here. I'm going to see it on day and date on DC Universe. I don't even have to buy it this time. Uh, uh, uh. That's pretty exciting for you, Paul. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so um I, right before the show i sent you guys a link for the new punisher 2 or C- punisher season 2 trailer and i gotta say i don't know about you guys that shit looks badass it looks pretty hot i'm so and excited I, I, what i'm really looking forward to is the uh the uh end credit sequence of the last episode where they canceled the series yeah so. exactly <laughs> yeah it, it's a bummer going in knowing that i think there's one more show after this i think it's jessica jones season three or four or whatever the hell um yeah and uh and then that's it but this punisher season two trailer oh it looks so good i cannot wait yeah, no, it, it absolutely looks good. And, you know, the Punisher season two was terrific. Uh, the only thing I'll complain about in that trailer is that Jigsaw is not nearly jigsaw enough. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Yeah. It, well, I think they just uh, they, they, they're they trying to toe the line between like people like that actor and they want to see his face, not necessarily the, the makeup face. Well, I just think that, you know, he's still too pretty. <laughs> you know, he sh- he should emerge. You know, if you're if you're going to uh, you know get, become a supervillain and and part of your supervillainess is that uh, you know the good guy made you a monster, you're really kind of ought to look like a monster. Fair. Yeah, I agree with that. But it does look hot, and it starts this week. God, yes. there's a lot coming out this week, right? Uh, the passage starts uh, Monday on Fox. What is that? You know, I keep seeing these commercials for it, and it looks kind of interesting. It's, it looks like a science fiction zombie vampire thing. Yeah, I might give it a shot. I, I, the all I know is what I have seen on commercials. Yeah, you know, and usually with the volume down and at, and at uh, you know triple fast speed, but the images look pretty scary, and I'm like, I'll give that a shot. Fox has been successful in scaring me before. Yeah, uh, yeah. I actually so, stopped and watched a trailer for it. Like I was fast forward, like wait a minute, what is that? And rewound and watched one of the trailers, and I still have no idea what it's about. But the trailer was just—it caught my attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that starts this week. Uh, I believe uh, my wife is very happy that Roswell, New Mexico, starts this week. Oh yeah. And it's gotten really good reviews. Huh. The, the the pre-reviews for it have been uh, promising. I'm like, okay, I, at least maybe it'll be good when I'm having to watch it when I'm in the same room with her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
um, uh, what else starts this week? There was something else. Uh, well, I mean, I think a lot of shows are coming back from their hiatus. Yeah. We've got Return of the Superman or Reign of the Superman. We've got Punisher. We've got a shit ton of stuff. And we've got some big comic releases this week. Yeah. Well, all in time for, you know, those, those folks who have an extra long weekend coming up for MLK Day. Because, uh, you know, you'll, you'll need something to watch then. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, what's great is that it's, you know, for all of those furloughed federal employees right now, they've got something to do with their day. Yeah, there you go. I, I kind of wish some of it was out right now since I'm snowed in and not going anywhere today. <laughs> Well, in, and in comic stores this week, a couple, like I said, a couple of big releases. The countdown to issue 1000 of Detective Top Comics continues in Detective Comics number 996. Um, I don't know that we actually talked about 995. So we did not. When, we we, when 996 Detective comes out, we should definitely talk about that because it was a big deal. It seems like we have not talked about Detective Comics in a while. Yeah, so we, we should talk about that. We should also talk about Fantastic Four number six next week, Herald of Doom part one. Is that Harold with an A? Yes. Like Harry of Doom? No. (laughs) H-E-R-A-L-D, which continues, uh, Galactus has returned to devour the Earth and only one man can save us, Dr. Doom. Um, That starts this week in the Fantastic Four number six. Uh, Also from Marvel Comics, uh, Marvel Comics presents number one. Uh, the, the, The anthology series returns from Marvel's 80th anniversary under a beautiful cover by Art Adams. Um, I used to love that book. Me too. I don't I don't know what the new one will be like, but I really I've gone back like when I was trying to still do physical books. I went back and tried to get big runs of it. I'm 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 super excited about it. Uh, the first issues feature stories uh, um, that feature uh, Wolverine, Captain America and Namor. So and, and, and I, because it's got that frickin Arthur Adams cover, there's pretty much no way I'm missing out on that book. <laughs> um, it, you know, you don't get Art Adams out of, uh, you know, Art Adams art often anymore. Um, from the Distinguished Competition, we get Superman number seven, uh, in addition to Detective Comics, which uh, is the story of what happened to Superboy um, that, that has uh, brought him back to Earth, appearingly much older. And, uh, I fear that if Bendis doesn't stick the landing in Superman number seven, I may be done with Superman. I agree. I think I am much the same way. So we'll see how Superman number seven comes out. And uh, one final thing that I want to mention, which is from IDW, they're celebrating their 20th anniversary. And as part of it, they're having uh, books that are called 2020. And so IDW has a lot of um licensed properties that they publish books for and uh so what these 2020 books are are taking those licensed properties and telling tales either 20 years in the future or 20 years in the past Mm. and uh next week they have ghostbusters and they have teenage mutant ninja turtles Um, interesting you know and they're both 20 years in the future books and on january 30th they're publishing um Uh, The Star Trek book, which is set 20 years before he took the command of the USS Enterprise D, Jean-Luc Picard sat in the captain's chair of the USS Stargazer, uh, written by Peter David, art by J.K. Woodward. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wow. Those are those all sound really good. Like I've I picked up a few things here and there from some of their uh, licensed properties, and they've been doing a pretty good job with them. I just don't want to read any of the series regularly. So specials like this are the kind of things that catch my attention. The, I, I do recommend picking up the Star Trek books and trade. They're they're awfully strong. The my, my complaint about IDW, and and I'm sure it's a licensing issue, but 
you know, Dark Horse, when they have picked up licenses, they also pick up the rights to republish previous publications, previous publishers. So, you know, like when they had the uh, Star Wars property, they printed all of the Marvel stuff over there at Dark Horse. For whatever reason, IDW doesn't do that. They, they've got the Micronauts property, and I don't know if that just doesn't allow them to print the Marvel stuff or if they simply choose not to prevent the Marvel stuff. But there is currently no outlet either in print or digital to get any of the Marvel Micronauts stuff. Yeah, I think there were some weird licensing things with that book in particular. Yeah, yeah it drives me crazy. I mean, because of all that beautiful Michael Golden artwork and uh, uh, there are other just terrific artists on that book, uh, I, I would love to see that. Plus, you've got all the, the great crossovers like with the X-Men and whatnot, and it's all good stuff. Well, that was a jam-packed episode, considering we only had two books to talk about. That's right. What if we'd had three, Paul? Oh, we'd still be going. Yeah. But instead, what we're going to do before we wrap up is say that you should check us out on IOM Geek on Instagram, Ideology Madness on Twitter, IOM Geek on Facebook, and uh, leave us some feedback on Young Justice Number One, Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man, or whatever um, on the IOM Geek hotline, which is 972 763 I missed my cue. 972 763 And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. All right, guys. See you next week. <laughs> Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.